Foi jogado por Simão. A passar por dois adversários. Simão a tentar oferecer o gol a Figo. E... Rui Costa vai, Rui Costa vai, And welcome into the very, very first Celeste Song Podcast. It's episode one. It's a uh, it's a project that I'm very, very proud and uh, and happy to be a part of. My name is Danny Pinto, uh, and, uh, and this is this is a podcast for for us fans of uh, of the Celeste Song of, of Portuguese uh, of the Portugal national team. For those of you who who know me, uh, you know the the passion I have for being Portuguese for 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 this team. Uh, for the sport, and, uh, and and I'm just so excited uh, about the journey that uh, this team has taken us, uh, taken us on these last couple of years. Obviously, with the uh, the win in, uh, in in Euro 2016 in France, beating France in the final, just the uh, the emotion that came from there, and it's a it's a high that I I really think uh, we we have yet to to come uh, come down from as fans of this last song. But uh, just to give you a brief brief uh, intro for for what this podcast is going to be about it's going to be about the the team and it's going to be about the fans and it's getting your interaction and your feelings uh, about uh, about this uh, about this squad on this on this trip to uh, to Russia 2018 uh, and and uh, and after that you know for for qualifiers for for friendlies for you know if there's a uh, big international news uh, if there's big uh, team news if there's big club news uh, I'll try to do something uh, as uh, as uh, you know, regularly as I possibly can, uh, but with uh, with us gearing up for uh, for the World Cup, I thought, you know, let's let's get this this podcast going here. Uh, you know, I uh, I originally had uh, an idea to do this podcast uh, two years ago, prior to the uh, to the Euro, and uh, just for whatever reason, just could not find the time uh, to do it. I uh, I have I have somehow found some time to uh to get this thing going and i hope it's a uh, hope it's a success i hope you guys that are currently listening enjoy it and, and and by all means spread the word we uh we are on facebook at uh, the celeste song podcast uh you can follow us on on twitter and on instagram uh at celeste song pod um email the uh, email is a uh, celeste song pod at gmail.com uh you can find me as well on uh, on facebook on twitter on instagram uh danny pinto uh on facebook Mr. DPP, that's M-I-S-T-E-R-D-P-P on both Twitter and Instagram. But uh, a little about myself for those who don't know me. Uh, I'm first generation born here in the United States. My parents, uh, Fernand and Dulce Pint, uh, from the island of uh, Tresida in the Azores. And uh, first generation born here. Uh, my dad, a big influ- influence on me uh, for, for soccer and for the love uh, of, uh, of this national team. And obviously, both my parents of all things Portuguese, so you know it's it's uh, it's just a it's just a passion. Uh, this this team is uh, is is my number one uh, squad. I my my truck says uh, Slesson 
on the uh, on the license plate. So I don't know if that's too much uh, personal information to give up on a podcast, but uh, especially the DMV stuff. But hey, uh, you guys can track me down. I'm the uh, I'm the black uh, Toyota Tundra with the Celeste Song license plate. If you ever see me on the road up and down the uh, the the highways and byways of California, just give me a little honk honk, and I'll uh, I'll try not to be upset at you for honking at me. But then if I realize, hey. You heard me from the podcast. That's that's awesome. I'll give you a nice uh, nice uh, peace sign or a thumbs up. But uh, but yeah, um, for those who do know me, you guys know that you know radio and podcasts are <laughs> are just something that I just can't quite get out of my system. Uh, you know, being in radio uh, for six seven years, um, being a an on air an on air I would never call myself an on air personality. I would just call myself being on air uh, for the minimal time that I had. Uh, was such a rush, such a such a drug that I just I just never have been able to get it out of my system. So you know I've been on other podcasts, I've started other podcasts. It's just a it's it's a passion of mine that I hope um, translates not only um, on this show uh, but to uh, to you guys to to get uh, involved with the show and to get, you know like I said spread the word, man. Uh, we want we want everybody to to have a uh, to have a a voice here as much as we possibly can. Get your opinions and. And go on this awesome, awesome journey that this team has uh, has provided us uh, for for a while. So, you know, I'm going to have as uh, I'm going to try to get a guest on every uh, every episode. Um, this uh, this first episode, I'm going to have my godson Michael Teixeira, who is a is a huge, huge soccer nut, um, much like myself. You know, played high quality soccer, you know, in in high school and and with uh, with club teams here in Sacramento. Or I'm, I'm based out of Sacramento, California. But uh, yeah, uh, played uh, played club ball here and uh, and uh, down south in uh, in Artesia, uh, in Artesia, California. He uh, he played some soccer down there as well. But I really respect his opinion. Uh, the the age the age gap, him being uh, about 10, 11 years younger than I am, uh, still pretty wise for for a youngin. But uh, but yeah, he'll be our first guest. Probably I'm gonna try to get some some uh, some other of my buddies who who I share um, who, who share my passion. But I'm also gonna try to get some. Some some media guys, uh, you know. There's a few guys that I follow on uh, on Twitter and uh, and uh, via Facebook that uh, I would love to try to get on and uh, and hopefully uh, with uh, with a positive response uh, for this uh, for these first couple episodes um, and, and and gaining uh, some uh, some uh, some listenership, um, I can I can solidify uh, my request to get these guys on um, to uh, to to get the to get some pros pros uh, on this on this uh, on this podcast, but. Um, but yeah, we uh, we're we're gonna try to do this as regularly as possible. Uh, for those who have downloaded, I really really appreciate you guys taking a chance. There's so many podcasts out there, and there's so many choices that have ne- that were never available to us. Not like even two three years ago, but uh, this media has has just blown up, um, and uh, this medium this medium I should say has blown up. And you know, I'm just happy to be in your earballs right now, and uh, and and thank you for giving me a shot. Uh, and, uh, hopefully you'll, uh, you'll go on the, uh, long, long ride, hopefully a long ride into July, uh, as, uh, as hopefully Portugal will, will hoist, uh, that world cup trophy. So without further ado, I say we get this Les Song podcast up and running and, uh, it's, uh, it's great to have, uh, as our first guest for the podcast, a guy who I actually, uh, spoke about doing a podcast, uh, before the Euro two years ago, and then. You know, things happen, and then all of a sudden, Portugal won the Euro. So I don't know if doing a podcast now is a good omen or a bad omen, but he's our first guest. Uh, I'm biased. He's he's quite the, the the football mind. He is my godson uh, from uh, from Sacramento, California, by way of Elk Grove, or vice versa. Let's give it up for uh, Michael Teixeira. Michael, what's up, buddy? 
Hey, how you doing? Thank you for having me. Well, Michael, um, you know, you and I, big Celestial fans. Obviously, we we've been watching Portugal together for 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 many many years. You know, we went over a couple of uh, you know, we had a, a pre-show, pre-show, pre-show meeting. But uh, one of the things that I I didn't ask you about that uh, in the meeting, but something that we talked about a couple of days ago was, is there still a high? As a as a fan of Portugal, as a fan of the the Slesson, is is the high of 2016 still very much present in uh, in your viewing of the team? I think it is. Uh, I think it is amongst the fans, especially, which is a huge huge help uh, to the team itself. Uh, I think there's a belief. Um, there's no more of uh, a. Uh, a taboo feeling amongst the squad that uh, we can go far in the tournament and lose as we've done many of times. Um, I think they believe that they can win. Um, I think they, they know that they can win. Um, and I think uh, the biggest factor is uh, people still don't believe that, that we can win. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I, you know, as, as a, as a fan of the team, obviously we, we have a, we have such a bias towards towards the team. Obviously, we have the the if not the number one player in the world, this the second greatest player in the world right now in Christian Ronald. And with that guy comes expectations. But it does seem that the 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 rest of the world uh, does not look at at Portugal as they look at it, look at us as a threat, but maybe not a serious threat. Is is that kind of the same thing? Is kind of the same feeling that you're you're getting as we approach the World Cup in just a few weeks? Yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling a similar feeling to the Euro Cup uh, in the fact of um, we don't have a lot of big name flashy players, but we have really really solid solid players overall. Um, we have a tremendous depth in the squad, um, and it, it's very competitive. It's a very competitive team. Uh, something that we're not used to seeing. We are we're talking with uh, with Michael Teixeira. Uh, my godson from uh, from Sacramento. As uh, you're listening to the first episode of the Celestion podcast, before before we uh, go into the squad that was announced last week, uh, let's go back a few years back when Fernand Sunch was initially named the uh, the manager of this team. Um, not a flashy hire. Uh, I will be very honest with you. I I wasn't wild about the hire simply because of the way. Uh, his his tenure with Benfica had ended, but obviously he had he had some international success with Greece, and he's you know he's 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 managed uh, other uh, other big uh, big three clubs in uh, in uh, in Portugal. But what was your initial reaction to the hire? And then obviously you know what what is what is your feeling towards the man now the the Mister the Mister Mister. Uh, initially, I, I was I was on the same page as you. I, I really didn't think it was a uh, extremely flashy hire, as you as you mentioned. Um, however, after his first interview um, as manager, I, I was extremely impressed. I felt that he was going to bring uh, to the squad what no managers have brought since uh, Big Phil, and that's uh, the fact of bringing that unity amongst the squad, bringing uh, being big on chemistry. Um, and really looking as a team, as a as a we, and not so much of uh, individual players, um, I I believe that he uh, he really does focus on uh, uh, chemistry overall. Um, and then obviously once he uh, once he uh, won the tournament, I, I think he should be canonized at this point. <laughs> that's you know, it's not a bad it's not a bad idea. Uh, going going with the the uh, the thought you had about team. In terms of talent, the 2016 Portugal team, to me, 
fails in that in the in the talent portion simply compared to I think the 06 team specifically the World Cup team because I, I that team was so stacked from top to bottom yet you know we, we made a great run had, had a had a semifinal run in 06 but but there was a togetherness with that team as well and the togetherness the chemistry that Dunsunch brought to that squad two years ago in winning the euro I mean I just remember the confidence it wasn't. It wasn't an arrogance. It was just a. It was. He was very businesslike, but he was be, a very matter of fact as well in his in his uh, in his dealing with the with with the team, with the media, with his opponents, with the players, and I, I think that goes a long way in dealing, especially with international football at the top at the highest level, because so many of these guys aren't playing with each other. They're playing in Spain. They're playing in England. They're playing in Italy. So it, it's it, it's such a, a refreshing way. Of knowing that you have a calmness, uh, like Fernand Sanch in uh, uh, taking care of your locker room, that uh, you know, with this team now in 2018, that in my opinion, may be the most talented Portuguese team that we've seen. Um, it's a good, good feeling and a good mixture of belief with talent going into this World Cup. Correct, and I, I think you really hit a, a a pivotal point that a lot of people don't really focus on, and that is the calmness that Fernando Sanchez brings to the team, especially with the personalities that they have. You have guys like Bruno Walsh, Pep, who we all know uh, get fiery and are extremely passionate at times. Watch your head, uh, Harry Kane! <laughs> you have uh, guys like, obviously, Ricardo Quaresma, who's uh, reignited his international career under Fernando Sanchez. And uh, let's just say, it's not easy to coach Cristiano Ronaldo when you have such a big name on the squad. Well, we we uh, we talked about the squad, or we mentioned the, the the squad, I should say. Let's go ahead and and, and review the twenty three that were that were named to the uh, to the squad uh, for uh, for Russia twenty eighteen. Goalkeepers will start there. Pretty, I think, probably the easiest of the selections uh, with Hui Patrice, Anthony Lopsch, and Bet as the three goalkeepers. They were the original three goalkeepers that were part of the thirty five man uh, preliminary squad. That uh, that Fernand Sanch had uh, announced just a few days before announcing the twenty-three. Uh, the defenders on defense we have Bruno Walsh, uh, Cedric Swaj, Zefont, Mario Hui, Pep, Rafael Guerreiro, Ricardo Pereira, and Ruben Dias. We'll we'll go we'll go uh, you know position by position here. Let's go with uh, left back and right back. Uh, left back with uh, with uh, Rafael Guerreiro and Mario Hui and Ricardo Pereira. And Cedric Swartz on the right. Uh, in terms of quality, there, how do you feel uh, about the selections of those four gentlemen uh, to play left and right back? I think we're in a much better position than we were at the uh, last Euro Cup um, in the, both those positions. Portugal is extremely reliant on their wing backs, uh, being that the midfielders uh, typically tuck in um, when they attack. Um, so you have uh, the need to have a depth at right back and left back. Uh, the difference this year is you have a little bit of a, a different viewpoint. You can have Cedric Suarez, who is a little bit more defensive-minded than Ricardo Pereira. Who uh, Ricardo Pereira can also play as a uh, as a winger as well. Um, so Ricardo Pereira is much more attack-minded than Cedric Suarez. And the same at left back, you have Rafael Guerreiro, who does not typically play left back for his club. Uh, often plays in the midfield, um, but he's extremely. Uh, more attack-minded than Mario Rui, um, who's been a huge standout in the Italian league uh, two years running. Last year with Roma, had a great season, and this year with Napoli, another great season. Definitely more defensive 
uh, Mark Rui and Rafael Gret and Ricardo Pereira definitely more attack minded than Cedric Suarez. So you, you have a you have a solid balance, in my opinion, at both those positions. Uh, of the of the thirty five man roster who didn't make it, uh, left back, right back, it was uh, Antunes, uh, João Cancel, uh, Nelson Smith. Smith. Of those of those three, uh, and I'm hoping I don't think I missed anybody else there. Uh, of those three, uh, any case to be made for any of those three to to make it over the four that were chosen? No, if you look at the form of all four of those positions, it's it's pretty straightforward. I believe all those four players had great seasons this year. Um, Rafael Gerard had a solid season once again at Borussia Dortmund. He always plays well with the Slissel. I don't believe I've ever seen him play one bad game for the Slissel. Uh, Cedric Swaj, uh, despite Southampton's struggles this year, um, was a standout player for their squad. Extremely, extremely um, reliant. And uh, Ricardo Preda at, at right back, um, he also had an extremely good season with Ports. And he, as I mentioned earlier, extremely dynamic player. Uh, he could play a little bit of the midfield, a little bit of the six or the eight, a little bit of the wing wingman as well. So he adds a little a little dynamic feel to the squad that he, he may not be utilized in that way, but it's it's a possibility. Uh, before we go to the uh, the the central uh, the central defenders here, the center. Do backs, we have to go there? We do we, we do we do. But I want to I want to ask you a question about a left back who who had some success uh, but voluntarily uh, withdrew his name. Uh, from a consideration of the 35 man and the 23 man, that was Fabio Quintron, who obviously he had a a very good run with with the with the national team uh, with Benfica before heading to uh, to Real Madrid. But injuries have definitely plagued him the last few years, and his form has has suffered. Um, is it a is it an honorable move that he withdrew? Is it is it something that he would rather have saved face than not made the the squad. What do you think is the uh, is the onus on uh, on him for taking himself out? I believe it's due to fatigue. Uh, you looked at him at the at the end of the year, uh, and he was completely gassed out at that point. Uh, Fabio Quintron was notoriously uh, struggled with injuries, and with that comes uh, fatigue late in the season. Uh, I, it's extremely honorable that he you know excluded himself, but. I would beg the question of I don't I really don't know if he would even have made the the top thirty five. Uh, we are the you are listening uh, to the uh, Celeste podcast, the first episode of the Celeste podcast as we get ready for World Cup twenty eighteen. I am your host Danny Pinto, uh, joined by uh, Michael Teixeira as we are breaking down the uh, the roster and uh, previewing uh, the next few weeks uh, leading up to World Cup twenty eighteen. Let's go now, Michael. As we mentioned, uh, the uh, the the center the center backs and uh, oh. the the four that have made it are Brunwalsch, uh, Zeffont, Pep, and uh, youngster Hubendiaj. The ones that uh, were omitted from uh, or did not that did, did not make the uh, the twenty three man roster that were on the thirty five man. Uh, Louis Net and uh, Holland. Father Time at some point catches up to you, but no one's telling Brunwalves or Pep or Zefont that and Huben Diaz I don't think can drink a beer yet so we we have quite the combination of uh uh quite the combination at center back but what do you think about the four choices uh leading up to uh, uh that were named to the 23 man roster uh, what really stands out to me in, this, in these selections is chemistry uh Fernand Sanch is going with the uh, players that uh, he, he's relied on in the past two years, and uh, he's going to stick to those uh, those three main guys, I believe. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Ruben Diaz gets a, gets a call-up 
um, eventually making a break into the starting lineup. But uh, yes, uh, as we mentioned earlier, Fernand Sanch is uh, key on um, on chemistry, and that's definitely what he's going with here. Uh, let's uh, let's now move over to the uh, to the midfield here. As uh, let me pull up the roster here. Here we are. As uh, the midfielders uh, announced were uh, Adrian Silva, Bruno Fernandes, João Mário, João Moutinho, Manel Fernandes, and William Carvalho. Um, first, an omission simply because of injury. Let's talk about Danilo, who is not going to be able to make the the uh, the World Cup squad due to injury. Um, at, probably, at, I don't want to call him the most versatile player that Fernandes uh, could have chosen from his uh, from his squad, but a guy who definitely can command the uh, the defensive midfield and could play central defense as a center back. First, talk about his his omission from the from the uh, from the World Cup squad simply because, unfortunately, he's injured. Yes, yeah, so he's he's a great player to have on and off the field. Uh, you mentioned his qualities on the field, but I think it's uh, commemorable to mention his qualities off the field. Um, great leader in the locker room, captains his club on occasion. Um, him and William. Uh, rotated quite often throughout the Euro Cup. Neither of them really, really questioned the selections. Um, they they rotated gracefully. He also gave us the dynamic feel of the playing center back, which he's done many times. Um, so I think uh, Danilo's uh, injury is huge to Los Lesson. Um I believe at this point we're extremely reliant um, on William Kudavide not not being injured. Um, however. Um, I will say that um, based off of the group that we have, it's an extremely defensive group. Um, I really don't question uh, Fernand Such. I initially questioned Fernand Such selection. Um, now, as I analyze the, uh, the group a little bit more, I could see why he did that. Um, aside from Spain, um, who's a you know, big, big uh, world power, um, you have uh, two teams of Morocco and Iran who are extremely, extremely defensive. Um, and aren't really going to push the game much, um, so I, I, I think that's that's the base behind him um, not selecting any backup to William at that point. Well, and, and a guy who was also omitted from the from the uh, from the twenty three man squad, who we thought probably was a shoe in a lock um, that would have been coverage for uh, possible coverage for William Carvalho was Ruben Neves, who had a, just a an outstanding outstanding season with Wolverhampton. Um, that squad promoted and will be in the Premier League next season. Uh, he was not chosen. The, the the guy that just sticks out like a sore thumb for for many of us, and and you and I talked about it when the squad was an, originally announced, is Manuel Fernandes. Who uh, Michael? I don't remember the last competitive game he's played for Portugal. I'm sure uh, you know people out there know, but he was by by far the 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 most shocking uh, choice uh, to the squad. But as as a, a unit, the midfield unit with Adrian Silva, Bruno Fernandes, João Mario, João Moutinho, Manuel Fernandes, and William Carvalho, how solid is this group, in your opinion, uh, and how vital is this group to uh, to success for Portugal? Uh, this group is extremely vital to Portugal's success. In the first first match against Spain, you have a team who's going to be uh, heavy heavy possession. Uh, Julian Lepetegui, he just he will possess the ball to death, um, and that and this squad. Um, really counterbalances that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he he played three of them at one point. Uh, to be honest, um, however, uh, the, the midfielders uh, they you have William um, as I mentioned earlier. Aside from William, 
Um, you don't have a backup to William. Um, but aside from that first match, you're playing against extremely defensive teams. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, a little bit of uh, Bernard Silva, João Mario tucking in a bit. Um, with that, you, you have Bruno Fernandes, um, who can play the 10 extremely well. Um, you have uh, Adrian Silva, who can fill into Williams' position if needed. Um, it's an extremely dynamic group. Um, it's a group that allows Portugal to convert from a 4-4-2 uh, to a possible 4-3-3 in the middle of the match with Bernard Silva uh, pushing up to the wing, João Mario pushing into the midfield uh, with William and Adrian. Um, so I think this squad is uh, much uh, more dynamic. They, they can evolve throughout the games. Um, we have players that are in fine form like Bernard Silva. Um, however, we do have uh, some players who are, who struggled a bit throughout the year, um, being Adrian Silva, who didn't play for half of the half of the season. And you are listening to the uh, the first episode of the Celeste podcast. Um, and uh, we have uh, Michael Teixeira joining us. I am your host, Danny Pinto. Uh, we go now to uh, the flash, the the money, the uh, the Hollywood of this uh, Portugal squad. And, of course, that is the forwards uh, with uh, Andres Silva, uh, Bernard Silva. And all these Silvas, by the way, no relation to any, any one of them. It's like Smith or Jones <laughs> here in, in the States. But uh, Adrian, or, uh, check that, uh, Andres Silva, Bernard Silva, uh, uh, Gelson Martins. Is it Gelson or Gelson? Gelson. Gelson. Okay. I, you know, I was born here, guys. Sorry. Uh, but then it's Gonçal Guedes. So, what do you say about that? Well, I. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Gelson really and Gonçal. Have, I, mean, it's, it's the, I really, I really believe they only have three forwards in the system that they play. Christian Ronaldo. Hold Silver, on. You spoiled the surprise. You see, you spoiled the surprise. He was going to be my shocking pick for the twenty-three man roster. I can't believe that number seven guy made the team. It's unreal. Him, oh, him, and, him and Hikart Quaresma, they uh, they close out the uh, the forwards. Obviously, lots of firepower in, with this unit. Correct. Yeah, and I, I think uh, what you're going to see a lot of is uh, Andre Silva, Cristiano Ronaldo up top. Um, Andre Silva, despite um, having a uh, mediocre to poor season with uh, Milan, ha- always always has performed well on this lesson um, throughout the qualifiers uh, with a goal every other game, uh, which is quite impressive. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, Andres Silva um, doing a lot of the hustle play up top um, and Ronaldo slotting in behind him. Um, in terms of Ricardo Quaresma, Gelson, Gonçalo Gidge, I wouldn't be surprised if you see them play more in the midfield. Uh, Gonçalo Gidge gives you a little bit of a, a wingman, but he can also give you a little bit of a a striker up top uh, next to Ronaldo or Andre Silva even. Um, but I, as I mentioned in the with the midfield squad, I think with these uh, forwards here, um, you see you will see a lot of a uh, 4-4-2, um, but don't be surprised if uh, it, they convert over to a 4-3-3. Obviously, the uh, the star of this team, uh, without question, is Christian Ronaldo. Uh, he's, he's done it Dutch all. Dutch Zephont? <laughs> well, okay. The second brightest star. <laughs> of this team behind Jeff Font is obviously Christian Ronaldo. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get a little bit ahead of ourselves here, but let's let's say let's say Portugal wins this whole thing. What is his legacy? The best ever. Yeah, Hands down. I I I don't know if I can disagree he with be, you. He, and he, it, begs, I, he begs the question already. If, I mean, if he if he wins it all uh, in the World Cup, hands down, best ever. 
Yeah, people will look. People will look at his, his demeanor, his attitude, his quote unquote arrogance. Yeah, I, it's all there, and I and I can understand, and I understand people having issues with that. But I, I just, I just don't. In again, it's all opinion. We'll never know. But if he hasn't made a strong enough case already, hoist, hoisting that that trophy in Russia uh, in July, I think would hopefully silence uh, whatever haters there are left. And he is then firmly put in that conversation as one of, if not the best ever. Correct. I think he provides, he has, it's not, no question that he might be the most talented. And no question that he also might be one of the greatest leaders we've seen as well. I think his role as a leader uh, really led the uh, Slesson to winning the Euro. Um, they obviously won without him on the field, um, even though he was partially on the field coaching. Um <laughs> But uh, Cornell's leadership overall, um, his ability to have the entire team believe in themselves. Um, the, big, the big question mark going up to the last year was, um, how do you not become reliant on Ronaldo when Cristiano Ronaldo is on the field? Um, I think they found that balance, whether it be him and Fernand Sanch, um, which I believe both are play, pay tribute to that. Um, however, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo has found a way to make the other players on the field want the ball, to make the other players believe that they're even better than him at times with the ball. you got guys like Ricardo Quaresma, who I don't think he still believes he's not better than Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, and they will, they will fight for the ball as much as possible. Uh, but the biggest thing is they all have tremendous, tremendous chemistry. Um, Andre Silva uh, really stands out. Uh, very few games him and Ronaldo played together. Um, prior to, to their first match um, in the qualifier, and they instantly clicked. Um, that, that to me, uh, was a huge uh, factor. It's someone who we didn't have at the last World Cup, um, at the last Euro Cup, was a pure striker in Andre Silva. Uh, so I think that, that partnership up top, uh, his ability to bring in the other players from the midfield, um, and, and really, I, I believe that uh, he just overall makes a great, great captain. Um, so to say that he's not the best ever, that, that it's going to be tough if he does, if he wins it all to really make that claim. And you are listening to the uh, first episode of the Slesson podcast as uh, we are breaking down the uh, the rosters here, or the roster, I should say, for uh, Portugal's uh, run at Russia 2018. Um, before I ask you about your ideal starting 11, the guy I am most excited to see on the world stage with this team is a guy who just missed out on the 2016 Euro squad because of injury, and that's Bernard Silva. He he had a he had to be patient at the first few months of the of, of the season with Man City. Man City just a, a tremendous tremendous year, uh, dominated the English Premier League. But you could see, especially in the second half of the year, uh, just the quality that Bernard Silva has, and the fact that he made Man City a better squad with him. On, on the field now, Man City, I believe, would have won the, the league no matter what. But having having that presence now and that quality, especially with João Moutinho at the end of his career, having a guy to step in and and be as high quality as Bernard Silva is, I'm very very much looking forward uh, to seeing what he does uh, either in the middle of the field or even as a wing. Yeah, I mean the guy, as Pep Guardiola put put it, he doesn't lose the ball. Plain and simple, he will not lose the ball. Um, he had an incredible second half of the season. 
Um, he's extremely, extremely dynamic. He can play a little bit in the middle. He can play on the wing. Um, overall, great person, um, great personality to have on the team. I mean, the guy showed up in a Fiat when everyone else was showing up in Mercedes. Do, need I say more? Hey, Fiats are nice, man. They're 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 <laughs> practical, just like he is. He's going to be the practical superstar that we need. So, what is your ideal? And we'll and we'll use we'll use the four four two formation. Uh, what is your what would be your ideal, your ideal starting eleven, and what would you think Fernando will do uh, that first game against Spain, barring any injury? My ideal starting eleven would be Julio Patricio in goal, Cedric Swatch at right back, Pep at center back, Bruno Alves at center back, Rafael Guerrero at left back, in the midfield, Bernard Silva on the right, William in the middle with Adrian, and João Mario on the left. Up top with Andre Silva and Cristiano Ronaldo. Now you realize we're in 2018. You said Pep and Bruno Alves. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure you know what year you're in. Oh, I was looking at my 2006 Portuguese squad. I just, oh, I man. just wanted to make sure you knew what year it was. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, mine is very similar to yours. Um, I uh, I'm going with Patrice in, in goal, uh, Cedric at the right, uh, Rafael Gahed at the left, Pep in the middle, and you know what? Just because. And it has nothing to do with him being uh, playing for Benfica because I'm big. I'm a big Benfica fan, but uh, I'll be very honest with you. I I don't follow the league as as much as I used to. With that said, the little that I have seen, I believe Ruben Dias is is going to be. I'm not going to say a star, but he's going to be that next center back. And we wish that there was more younger guys in in the in the pipeline. But he's the he's the one that he's the one that's going to be breaking through for the first time in a few years. I'd love to see him just get that get that start uh, in the middle, uh, to especially to learn and and uh, and uh, and play with a guy like Pep. Rafael hit obviously at the left. Uh, on the right, I would I would actually uh, you know let's get crazy, man. Let's go with uh, Gonzalo Guedes on the right. Uh, I would uh, I would have Bernard uh, Bernard Silva in the middle uh, with uh, William Carvalho and João Mario on the left, and then obviously uh, Andres Silva and Cristiano Ronaldo up top. Lots of firepower, though. I like it. Yes, I like it a yes. lot. I, and I, I think, it, I think the, the, the biggest thing in that, in that statement that you made with Ruben Dias, um, for the first match, I definitely would go with a uh, uh, Bruno Alves and Pep. I agree. Um, I think that both those guys are very familiar uh, with the Spanish team, uh, being that Spain is only bringing one pure striker in Diego Costa. Um, who, uh, who better to knock off Diego Costa's head than Bruno Alves? Uh, you know what? And I, and whether it be, I mean, Bruno Alves or Pep, I, I just the the amount of anger that is going to be is going to be displayed on that field with those three guys potentially being on the field at the same time, um, it it, you know, it could be a little scary. You know, I I would keep the children away from the TV from the first uh, from the first game if uh, if those three are on the field together. Before uh, before we wrap up, Michael, um, we have obviously we have three friendlies. Coming up uh, May twenty eighth on uh, on Memorial Day here in in the U S. Uh, Portugal we will be uh, playing host uh, to Tunisia. Uh, that game will be uh, at uh, at Braga. Uh, that game will be at eleven forty five a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, they then uh, go uh, six days later to Belgium to take on Belgium. Uh, the only uh, of the friendlies that they'll be playing against a World Cup uh, a World Cup squad. Uh, that game in Belgium is Saturday June the second. Uh, that game also at 11:45 a.m. Uh, Pacific time, and then they wrap up their uh, their uh, three-game friendly tour, uh, if you want to call that, 
uh, with a game back in uh, in Lisboa at Stade de Luz against uh, Algeria. Uh, that'll be on uh, Thursday, June the 7th. What is your I I have my ideal take from what I'd like to see from this uh, from this uh, from these three games. I think we can both agree is that the number one thing to take from it is injury free. But what do you what are you looking at uh, for these three uh, games? Obviously, with the teams very similar to what uh, they'll be looking at in group play uh, beginning on June fifteenth. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna look. You're gonna have two games where you're gonna be required to push the ball forward. Uh, what I'd really like to see, um, or what, what I wouldn't mind seeing in one of those matches, is where we are struggling um, to score, maybe a zero-zero in the first half against Tunisia or Algeria. Uh, where we would be required to make some changes, integrate some different style or players into the uh, into this squad, um, and then you're going to play a very uh, attack-minded, um, heavily possession-based uh, Belgium squad, um, who's very similar, um, if you want to say, um, out of the three to uh, to Spain. Uh, so you have two matches where you're going to be pushing the ball a little bit more, and then you're going to have one match where. Uh, you're going to be playing um, a little bit more defensive um, and counterattack minded. Um, and I and I already said before I let you go, but you know we're, this is the first episode. We're, we're going to get all the kinks out with all my transitions here. But uh, I wanted to you you were looking at the other three the other three uh, teams in the in the group in Portugal's group. Give me a quick breakdown. Obviously, uh, we have we have Spain, um, we have Morocco, and we have Iran. On the surface, it should be Portugal, Spain getting out of there, and Portugal and Spain should make it easily out. But you know, give me a little breakdown of, of what you see in each of the each each of the squads, and any kind of potential risk uh, that they could pose to Portugal's chances of just getting out of the group. It's definitely a tougher a tougher group than uh, what most people think. Um, however, I've read I have read a few uh, articles here and there who were proclaiming this to be. Uh, the group of death, even um, considering uh, Morocco and Iran uh, both in fine form uh, leading up to the World Cup. Um, what stuck out to me was I'm glad we are playing Iran last um, in the fact of they really do not like to allow goals. You have Carlos Queiroz, who we're very, similar, uh, very familiar with. I remember um, him. Yep, 0 0. That's what I remember. That's all I remember from him. They, only, uh, they allowed one goal in 2010, and that's the goal that lost them the game. And in, 2014, and, <laughs> and in 2014, Argentina had to score in the 90th minute to beat Iran. So um, with that said, I sure, I sure hope uh, Morocco um, and, and Spain uh, beat up on Iran a little bit before we get them in the third game. Spain, uh, Spain is Spain. Uh, they're impressive. Um, they, uh, they have a lot of midfielders. Just a bit. <laughs> they brought one. They brought, what really stood out to me is they brought one pure striker in Diego Costa, who has not had uh, a great record with the team. Um, you have Julian Lepetegui, who, um, who us Portuguese are familiar with uh, when he coached Ports. Um, he likes to possess the ball a lot, uh, sometimes possess the ball too much, um, but this squad is, uh, is full of talent, uh, full of players in fine form. Uh, you got have guys like Isco, um, who's had a tremendous... Uh, um, campaign with Spain in the lead-up, uh, not so much with Real Madrid, but with Spain. Um, we have players like uh, Lucas Vasquez and Marco Asensio, who on Real Madrid are huge super subs. Um, and uh, as I mentioned before, I think the surprise call-up with uh, 
with uh, Spain was the that they or the exclusion was leaving out Alvaro Morata and then including uh, Rodrigo uh, from Valencia, um, who plays as a secondary striker. So um, I was a little bit happy uh, with the call up that uh, Lepetegui uh, made, um, leaving out Alvaro Morata uh, was a little bit of a sigh of relief for me. Um, he's extremely quick. Um, I thought he would have uh, been definitely the forward uh, to play against Portugal if uh, we were to, uh, if he were to be at the World Cup. Um, but Diego Costa, uh, well, Diego Costa is a fine, fine striker, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if he had a, a good, a good World Cup, uh, considering his last two uh, tournaments. Um, out of the three, uh, out of the four teams, as you mentioned, uh, Spain and Portugal really st- uh, stick out uh, as the favorites. Um, playing each other first uh, kind of makes a kind of makes an interesting feel. I believe that first match you're going to see uh, uh, after about the first 20, 25 minutes. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if both teams, if there's no goals, if both teams kind of just let the game ride out, uh, knowing that they have uh, two weaker sides. But whenever you have whenever you have two big giants like this in a group, um, it makes for the other team's preparations a little bit easier. Um, and uh, I think you're going to see a lot of defensive football from this uh, from this group. I wouldn't be surprised if you won't see many goals out of this group, um, and we definitely will see at least uh, one or two zero zeros out of this group. All right, buddy. Finally, before uh, before I let you go, um, in your opinion, what is what is the realistic expectation uh, for for us fans of the Slesson for this World Cup? Uh, well, we, I think you and I both agree that this. I personally think it's a, a talent from one to twenty-three is uh, the best that the that the that the team has uh, has uh, has provided uh, since the 06 team. But what is what is your realistic expectation, and what should be the realistic expectation be um, for 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 us fans uh, getting prepared for the twenty eighteen World Cup? Uh, well, I think. I think the biggest factor is whether it be this Portugal, the 2006 Portugal, whenever you look at those teams, uh, who you're playing against, the type of teams you're going to play against, um, you potentially avoid uh, any any big favorite uh, until the uh, quarterfinals. I think the quarterfinals is a realistic expectation. It always has been the bar for the Slesson, uh, for coaches, and for not just for Fernando Central, but coaches in the past um, that top eight always sticks out it's always kind of their uh, their their bar uh, to, to their bare minimum as you will say I think top eight would be um, would be a realistic expectation anything less would be a disappointment considering the uh, the setup of the uh, of the teams um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Portugal in the semis I wouldn't be surprised if you see Portugal in the finals I'm not predicting they'll do either um, anything can happen at the World Cup um, but looking at the uh, looking at the uh, the tables here, um, some potential quarterfinal uh, matchups you have uh, France, you have. Uh, oh, remember remember what we did to them that one game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> Edder, Edder's going to come in for that one. Oh, I bet. Uh, I bet. I bet. So you potentially would would play France or uh, Argentina um, in the quarters. Uh, like I said, anything can happen. Um, but I think the quarterfinals is a, is a fair, 
a fair uh, expectation for the Slesson, being that they wouldn't have to play any any giant world giant until that point. You mentioned you wouldn't be surprised if they made the quarters. You wouldn't be surprised if they made the semis. If they made the final and they won, <laughs> what are we going to do, Michael? <laughs> I, I kind of think about this throughout the day. Uh, how could I have re- react any crazier than I did the last time we won the Euro Cup? Uh, but once the that first kickoff takes place in the first matchup, when the World Cup starts... Everything that happened before completely goes out the window. Yep, I agree. Anytime you win a tournament, anytime you win a league, anytime the minute that ball rolls, there's just something that you're no longer a previous champion at that point. Um, so, I really, I really think that uh, that this would give us more of the world perception. I think the Euro uh, for us in in Portugal means a lot. Uh, the Euro has is full of rivalries. Um, Portugal being the little brother to the Frances, to the Spains, to the Italys, uh, to the Germanys. Um, I think that mean, meant a lot to us as fans personally for this lesson. But this would take us to that next level, and that's that's what I really want to see. I really want to see Portugal go to the ne- next level. I know a lot of people say, I want to see Ronaldo be the best ever. I Personally, I'm, I, I, I could care less about that. I would just love to see Portugal as a lesson uh, win it all. Um, they've deserved it uh, as small of a nation as they are and that's what people a lot of people fail to realize as small of a nation as they are for them to win the world cup would truly truly be uh, great for world football at this point who has been so heavily dominated with superpowers and money um, and not to mention other uh, other uh, negative things like uh, corruption and whatnot with fifa lately corruption but, and fifa uh, no yeah yeah so I think in terms of football as a whole, uh, it would be great to see uh, Portugal, Portugal pull it off. Buddy, I, I really, really appreciate you, uh, you taking the time and, and being on the show for, uh, for the first episode of the podcast. And uh, I definitely want to get you back on before the tournament starts after we, we see the, the three friendlies and we, we get an idea of uh, who's, who's, uh, who's in form, who, who may need, who may need to be replaced. But uh, it's always great talking with you about, uh, about, uh, uh, this lesson and, and soccer and and now to do it in, a, in an official capacity with a with a podcast that's going to take over the world it, you know it's it's only up for for us and for portugal and, and and for for everyone involved michael so honestly buddy i appreciate you uh you stopping uh stopping by and uh, sharing some time with us and sharing your views and your opinions and uh and forza but thank you and once again i want to thank uh michael Teixeira, my godson for coming on love you bud appreciate the time that you uh that you gave me um that is going to do it for the first episode of the uh, Slesson Podcast. Uh, what I want to do is this. Find me on Twitter, at SlesonPod, S-E-L-E-C-A-O-P-O-D. Uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, um, we have a Facebook page, the Slesson Pod. Um, I'll, I'll give you all the information in terms of links on how you can, uh, uh, on how you can access more information for, this, uh, for the pod. Uh, but I just want to thank you guys for, for coming on the podcast. Uh, uh, on this journey, on this first episode, this uh, maiden voyage, as uh, as we uh, as we uh, get ready for the friendlies, and then obviously on June fifteenth, the first game against Spain. I'm hoping and I'm and I'm and I'm really confident that this is going to be a, a very very positive ride that this lesson gives us, and uh, and I just uh, can't wait for you guys to come along on the ride with me. So uh, until the next episode, episode two, which will be after 
the uh, the friendly against Tunisia. My name is Danny Pinto. Thank you so much for joining uh, me on this first episode of the Sound Podcast. And Forza Portugal!